It's Talking Football with Vince Tracy and Rob Daniels. So, a very, very good day to everybody. It's the 30th of December. Practically, we're saying goodbye to yet another year. Let's go down to Playa San Juan. I'll tell you quickly that it's a bright, sunny day with great definition on the mountain. It could be a great day for us today. Let's hope so. Let's say hello to Rob Daniels down in Playa San Juan. Rob, what's it like for you today? Hi, good morning, Vince. Good morning, everybody. Oh, it's, it's a beautiful day down here, actually, Vince, it's, um, this morning. Um, plenty of winter sunshine. It's actually quite warm outside. I um, I went out just for the stroll earlier on. And the, the, I'm just saying a couple of uh, people walking past actually now uh, outside the park wearing T-shirts, or short sleeve shirts, shall we say. Um, it's, it's very, very mild for this time of year, isn't it? It is. It's uh, well. It's like summer. I mean, we've had twenty odd degrees of heat, so it's been lovely. Look, um, that's one thing, isn't it? But if you're walking round in a mask, and we're asked at the moment to wear our masks outside, so uh, tell us what it's like for you in your situation. Uh, are people all walking round in masks? Well, the two people I've just seen walking past, actually, Vince, who I don't know, um, they weren't wearing masks. There's another lady walking past at the moment, and she is wearing one. Um, but there's nobody about around where I live. It's not. Um, it's in an urban area, as you know, but um, it's not in the. It's not in a city centre or anything. Um, I would say, looking round over the last week or so since these masks have been compulsory again, wearing outside. It's possibly about half and half. Um, some people just don't have any sign of a mask. They don't even have one wrapped wrap around their arm or wrapped around their chin or anything like that. And other people seem to be wearing them like fully masked up all the time. What I tend to do, which I've done that throughout the whole pandemic really, is I wear one under the chin and if I see somebody coming towards me, especially if they're wearing a mask, I'll put my mask up just out of a mark of respect for them and you sort of try to avoid each other on the pavement. If you go down the, the main street in town, everybody's wearing them because there's lots and lots of people. You know what uh, Spanish high streets are like, they get very crowded. But outside of the, the town centre, um, I can't see the point really. And the local police are not stopping people and finding them um, at the moment. Um, our local police are not on a bonus for, the, for COVID fines. I know that because I've got a friend who's a local policeman. Um, if they see somebody doing something that's obviously stupid, um, sort of spitting at each other and things like that, then they will step in. But if people are just going about their normal... And yet on lines, a football field, you've got people spitting all the time. This is uh, another yeah, of those... something that John Henderson the other night when he, um, when he hit one over the bar... And then he, he snotted one out, as uh, we say. He just went, covered one of his nostrils up and sort of like blew out. Well, they're all at it. It's not just Henderson. You see them all oh, doing it, and it's he, horrible. He knew, he knew that the cameras are going to be on him because he just hit one over the bar. Could, uh, it, it's, it's like a sign. They use it as a sign of sort of disgust at themselves, don't they, really, rather than actually clearing their uh, nostrils. 
But I, I thought that was extremely unprofessional because well, let's get all, to all the kids look up to these footballers, don't they? Yeah, let's get to the fact yeah. that uh, you've got situations emerging within the British game, which don't seem to be happening here in Spain. Which, uh, uh, for example, lots and lots of people spending good money to get to a fixture which is cancelled at the last moment, which again gives me my my suspicions about what's really happening um we don't we haven't had any of that in spain though have we not yet we haven't vince no but um this has just happened over the sort of christmas period hasn't it in in um the english leagues not just the premier league it's happened all, all the way through the football pyramid um because spain are not playing they're, they're, they're starting again actually the liga is starting again tonight i believe uh, when we get to the Liga, i'll tell you but um they haven't played over the christmas period whereas the uh, english teams have played three matches haven't they yeah um and and, and also it, the stadium is back to 75 percent capacity in spain uh with its rule which is brilliant when you think about it as we had christmas week and people can't even go in and see their child at the pantomime um, or the Christmas nativity play or something like that um, you know and yet you can now have 75% of a stadium filled in Spain let alone uh, what we see in the UK because obviously we'll, we will be looking at the games uh, that are going on let's move to a second topic now which is basically something which is um, well what can I say let, let me just let me get myself prepared. Here we go. Okay, now I'm looking at uh, one of the headlines. The world is starting to notice how many young athletes are dying after taking COVID vaccines. And uh, you've got all sorts of things going on in the press, online, etc., etc. It's so confusing because I was trying to establish how many um, people are really uh, suffering these problems um with these young healthy athletes you would expect obviously some form of maybe heart strain um now you know you could argue that because obviously you have these heart strain problems uh, could be part of the training regime um uh, looking at another headli- headline 326 athletes cardiac arrests serious issues 183 dead after covid shot when i go looking to see what's happened with the covid shot i'm looking at places like snopes which is supposed to be establishing facts and they're telling us that there is no correlation between the covid jab and the um young athletes that are dying and young footballers who have got these problems and we've got very very high profile footballers with these problems so um i started looking a bit into that robin you're going to take it up with us in a second or two but i looked at things like um for example 
Rebel Ica Casillas, the Spain goalkeeper. Um, he had to retire after having problems with his heart. Sergio Aguero, we covered him the other week, transferred from Manchester City and uh, Barcelona now obviously have had to see him retire. We've seen the Christian Eriksen incident in the Euro uh, finals. Um, there's all sorts of other names that appear on various um, websites, which obviously um, lead the, um, should we say, the people that are thinking that there is something going on. Um, they immediately will come up with that side of the problem. Is that the side that you take? I don't know. We'll see in a minute. Uh, or is there something about the pressing game? Remembering that the pressing game primarily is supposed to have come from the Ranging or Rangnick or what he calls himself, the new Manchester United boss, who is like the guru to people like uh, uh, Klopp, um, probably Guardiola, people like that have all learned bits from him. Bielsa, I think, is uh, also in the frame. So we're, we're, we're looking at two things, really. How much of this is caused by possibly somebody taking a jab and then maybe training too early? And how much of it could be just the training methods at the moment? People are asking uh, footballers in particular to run a little bit too much. What do you think? Well, this is divided opinion, isn't it, Vince? Um, throughout the sporting world, really. Um, Ike Casillas, um, by the way, he had his heart um, murmur well before COVID. Well, yeah, um, but that's that's why I mention it. That's why I mention it. It was before COVID, mm. um, you know, because basically the conspiracy theorists are pretty confident that a lot of this is all about uh, this COVID uh, not really being an approved and tested. I mean, let's be honest about it. None of the doctors should really be saying too much because you don't know until you look at the long-term effects if you look at the thalidomide for example uh, okay slightly different but at the same time it's a medical problem um, which eventually came to pass that lots and lots of people uh, lost the limbs for the rest of the life which was horrendous um, like anybody else who should be responsibly looking at this um I, i'm not jumping quickly in to say that it's a covid vaccine problem but i'm just saying that these are the issues which are being uh, reported in these um well different articles and as you say it's a dichotomy isn't it you've got for, for that uh, being just the covid and i don't see an awful lot about the training methods which quite honestly i would have thought the training methods have got to be part of this even if it's not um totally and utterly not part of covid then then you look at the training methods are young people being asked to do too much with their heart and lungs at an early age um yes when you think about it when we started playing football we didn't have all these academies uh, so you know kids from very young ages are being asked to do certain things um maybe the training too early you know in a learning stage as a teacher you're always looking for uh, ages 
ages and stages and of course a lot of the problems that we see in a social science sense um, are manifesting themselves quite clearly in people who think that they can learn quickly enough from Google without really putting a base of information in before they go to uh, to Google and get that bit of information so it's um it's a very serious issue because you know um th th this particular I don't know. Um, the, the, I'm reading this. The so-called health professionals running the COVID vaccine vaccine programs around the world keep repeating that the COVID vaccine is a normal vaccine and it is safe and effective. Um, so in response to their pronouncement, here is a non-exhaustive and continuously growing list of young athletes who have had major medical issues in 2021 after receiving one or more COVID vaccine vaccines. Initially, many of these were not reported. We know that many people were told not to tell anyone about their adverse reactions and the media was not reporting them. They started happening after the first COVID vaccinations. The mainstream media still are not reporting most, but sports news cannot ignore the fact that soccer players and other sports stars collapse in the middle of a game due to a heart attack many of those die around 50 percent i've just read that I've, i'm not making this up having said that are the people who are writing this stuff making it up i don't think so because we do know and we've seen with our own eyes uh, the ericsson one nobody could deny that that was a problem rob come on give me some input Right, well, <clears throat> Christian Eriksson hadn't been vaccinated. Um, so it wasn't anything to do with, it might have been something to do with COVID, but he hadn't been vaccinated um, when he had his heart attack um, during the Euros. Um, Kuhn Aguero, when he, he had COVID um, at the beginning of this year, 2021, in January 2021, he actually had COVID. Um, and I don't think they've brought the vaccines out by then. So he hadn't been vaccinated by, by the time he, he had COVID. And people, uh, experts um, in this sort of field, if you like, not uh, medical experts, but experts in cardiology and things, are saying that he probably came back into training too quickly afterwards um, because they talk about this long COVID, don't they, where it continues and you, you might be free from the virus but the sort of after effects and um but he, he wasn't um vaccinated either there was um a guy called charlie white who plays for wigan his manager a guy called liam richardson had to give him cpr in a training um the training match because he collapsed with a cardiac arrest um a couple of days after playing against sheffield united a training match and he collapsed on the pitch and he'd had a heart attack and Wigan, with the managers and with the players' permission, have made a statement to say that he wasn't vaccinated either. It well, it, it's nothing to do, um, his position, for example, was nothing to do with um, vaccination because he hadn't been vaccinated. Now, it's an ongoing debate. And I mentioned this chap a couple of weeks ago when we were speaking about a similar subject. He's called uh, Professor Sanjay Sharma. And he's the UK's leading sports cardiologist, and he works with the FA as well as uh, a number of Premier League teams. And he has been studying this um, as part of his work. And he is unsure, he can't make a decision at the moment 
that basically due to lack of data and, and things like that. He thinks it might just be a blip and also down to training regimes, as you mentioned. Um, but he can't see a direct link to the COVID vaccination and players who have heart problems either in training sessions or, or in matches because it's like it's split. Some, some of them have had the vaccine, some of them haven't. But it might well be, as you say, down to these sort of like harsh training regimes that they have these days. The amount of matches they have to play, they are extremely fit young men. They're in the peak of physical fitness. But they can push themselves over the limit, can't they? I mean, athletes, um, for example, who train for the Olympics, they have very strict training regimes for themselves. But they're not at it every single day, hammer and tongs, are they? Whereas over the Christmas period, um, fortunately, I don't think anything has happened um, heart-wise for any of the players, but they've had three matches um, in the last week. And these are, and then they've had training sessions in between. So it might be something to do with the COVID. If you've, if you've had COVID, it's obviously not going to do you any good um, going back to play too soon. But um, it might just be that they're pushing these um, footballers far too much. OK, uh, so it, that, that would sort of give us a bit indication with football in mind. Um, but uh, now I might be being naive here, but if you have a vaccine that puts an amount of the germ into you as your system, so therefore, if you are then being asked to train exceptionally hard, then that would give an indication to me somewhere why you might have a problem with these young footballers and that situation. That's probably quite a simplistic way of looking at it. Um, but I mean, the thing is, I then looked at other doctors, various doctors everywhere, saying that really what they should be doing is having a week's rest after taking the jab. Now, I think that would be more sensible. And, uh, you know, you would really expect a football club if you're going to have that effect on your players um i mean you know it could even i don't know i'm only just surmising it could even maybe uh, give us an idea as to why certain uh, clubs or teams have dipped if they've all been jabbed at the same time and that sort of thing there's a lot in that and uh, there, there, there is a lot in it isn't there vince and i, I think you're completely correct there that um it seems, on the face of it at least, that they'll get they'll get jabbed in the ch training room and then go out and train it immediately after they've had Well, it. that's it not particularly like that. clever for me. Um, and I'm reading again Reuters and Snopes. They're normally quite good on these things. Um, independently verify, verified various video clips. Um, and they both found that some of the videos involved people who had been previously diagnosed with COVID. Uh, in many of the cases, the athletes in question collapsed due to causes such as dehydration and overheating. Um, some of the videos also featured athletes who had not received the COVID-19 vaccine. So, I mean, the thing is, uh, if you're particularly interested in finding numbers, then you're going to have... A long job, aren't you? A long, tedious job finding out 
the history of each of these players and then finding out what what it does relate to. Um, so I yeah, will well, move statistics, on. Statistics, isn't it? You can you can statistics, statistics, and more statistics that you can come up with basically any answer you want, can't you? Yeah. Okay. Depending on um, how you look at the numbers. Let's let's hit let's hit another topic. I won't be a minute. I just yeah, get well, to just, just mention outside of football, um, but in sport. There was um, a world champion kickboxer called uh, Fred Sinistra, who was Belgian, and he was an anti-vaxxer, and he died the other day, aged 41, from coronavirus, um, because he actually said this little virus would not stop him um, from carrying on. And there's photographs of him with his medals. I mean, he was three-time world champion kickboxer. I mean, this guy was a, a, a well-fit, muscly guy. And um, he thought that, that he wouldn't, the coronavirus wouldn't... Um, well, isn't that great publicity? He did it, and did it, he killed him at 41. Isn't that great publicity for those that want to sell their drugs, their vaccines? I mean, you're, you're, what you're doing there is highlighting... I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't think he died to, to promote vaccines. No, 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 no. Wait a minute, Rob, I've got to stop you there for a minute. I've got to stop you because basically uh, you've got to understand what I'm saying because our listeners must also understand what I'm saying is that when you get somebody like that, that is perfect, perfect media for people who want to pursue the vaccines. Just like when James yeah. Fix... I, 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 I've got where you're going now, Vince. Yes, you're right, yeah. And it's just like when James Fix, the guru of jogging, uh, said to everybody that you've got to start jogging, and I think he died at 46. And I've never, ever stopped listening to people telling me, oh, well, if, if James, you know, who's the, who's the guy that started everybody jogging? Uh, of course, uh, they don't bother to find out that his family had a history of heart disease if you go to this guy's family i don't know rob i've uh, you would have to go and look at it but there could be a history of heart disease there as well so uh without any further ado um i'm going to move on because the time and tide wait for no man as you well know rob yeah. to raheem sterling next is where we go Okay, so we're looking at the BBC and, of course, it's how much uh, time can we give to certain causes that tend to be left-wing. So let's bring in Raheem Sterling and Gareth Southgate on Radio 4. Now then, this is interesting because Radio 4 does tend to be listened to by probably people who are a little bit more, shall we say, inquiring. Um, they'll want to look at what the being told uh, Raheem went on to tell everybody that uh, we must continue anti-racism stance uh, I agree totally with what he's saying the perpetrator of a, a lot of the nasty stuff that came after the penalty misses at the Euros was a guy who came from Saudi Arabia and he was suspended by Instagram uh, 
I don't know if you know that, but apparently it was for 24 hours. Now, uh, much as I agree with Raheem Sterling, much as I hear what Gareth Southgate is saying, I still think they should have been looking far more closely. And this didn't come out in the newspaper article. It might have come out in the programme. So I make that comment as well. Um, but they should make the comments that link a, um, a, 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 a should we say... A movement now of people who go down on one knee and uh, get everybody remembering that we don't want any racism in football. You only need to look at each football match, by the way, to realise that the racism is certainly not in football at all. You only need to look at the number of um, the black players playing in the Premier League to realise that if the great players and the good enough players, they get selected and they play in the Premier League. Um, and certainly... If you're looking to use football, uh, which I think is what's happening, I think Raheem Sterling and co. should also put a balance in. Look look at the um, organisation of which they think is so marvellous. Um, the fact that they want to uh, bring down the, the monarchy and they want to... Uh, dis I, I don't know, they want to uh, make the police disappear and all this sort of stuff. Look at the mess we're in now. At the end of the day, if we don't have order, you know, then eventually you won't be playing football or you, you won't get any, any crowds coming in. Um, I just thought that that was an update on what uh, was on Radio 4 not where you'd really expect to maybe hear that sort of propaganda which I reckon is propaganda quite honestly what do you think? Well just so that all the listeners know um, exactly where to find it if they would like to listen to it um, on the radio um, BBC radio sort of catch up system this was Wednesday's episode, yesterday's, the uh, 29th of uh, December, and it's called the Today Programme. It starts really early in the morning. It starts at UK time. I think it goes from about 6, six in the morning till 9am. Um, I quite often listen to it um, if I've got the radio on at that time in the morning because it is quite a serious programme, isn't it? It's quite a... Um, radio 4 is... Um, it's not all laughing and joking, although they do have comedies, but it's it's quite an intellectual kind yeah. of channel. Um, I think you sort of made that kind of allusion to it. It's, it's not Radio 1, it's not it's not for children particularly. But um, Raheem Sterling yesterday, every Wednesday they have a guest editor, and it can be anybody. They, they've had actors, they've had all sorts of people, politicians, um, but yesterday it was Raheem Sterling was chosen as a guest editor. And obviously a lot of the uh, topics were around football. And he did speak with Gareth Southgate. Um, they were talking about all sorts of things about the um, COVID-19 the COVID lockdowns. And uh, But it, 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 it's quite interesting if anyone would like to listen because Raheem Sterling basically chose the topics that were going to be talked about on the programme. Um, and I, I, I personally... I'm all for freedom of speech and everything like that. I think it's a good idea. I think it's the first time um, that a footballer has actually been put in that guest spot because normally the people with you get university professors and you get people from various religions and they're generally not not just footballers who um, Raheem Sterling, as you know, is from a very um, working class background. 
He's he's got um, an MDE as Raheem Sterling. I know that um, Marcus Rashford's was um, sort of banded about in the press a lot, but uh, Raheem Sterling has got one as well for um, his work against racism. So a lot of it was directed in that direction, um, but obviously it's a topic that he feels very strongly about. It's an interesting programme. I would recommend anybody to um, look on it or listen to it on the uh, catch-up um, on the BBC Radio iPlayer and make their own opinion. Uh, on on a lighter note, on a lighter note, and thank you for that, Rob, on a lighter note, uh, there's a little film clip. I don't know if you've seen this, but it's a Japanese football corner. And you've got all these Japanese players dancing in a circle. This is almost like there's nothing to do with the, the corner being taken. And so, you know, it's like everybody's looking at these people dancing around these players. And then the corner kick's taken and this guy comes in and heads in the ball and actually scores a great goal. Um, so I don't know if it's a new thing that will catch on. I doubt it, but um, quite interesting. OK. Can you, see, can you see that on YouTube, Vince? I'll, I'll make a note of that and maybe the listeners will as well. Yeah, I, I don't know where I picked it. You, you, you know what it's like when you're hurried. You, you haven't got time to annotate everything because quite uh, annotate everything because quite Honestly, you've got too many things going on. Um, and I want to... Move... I'll just put ja- ja- Japanese corner dance or something. Yeah, and, ja- uh, Japanese. So I'm sure that anybody... I'll, I'll have a look. Yeah. But I'm sure that anybody who is interested, if they put in Japanese corner dance, for example, yeah, they'll get some reference towards it, yeah? Right. OK, now we go to Spain, and in particular, we're looking at the problems uh, which... Xavi, who took over at Barcelona, uh, has sort of got at the moment um, because he's got seven COVID victims. He's got six injured and three others. So that gives him uh, a total of 16 players that are not available uh, for the next match. And apparently La Liga has a rule of um, if a player gets a red card, Um, And the team has three youth players in the team that's playing, then uh, they forfeit the game. Now, he hasn't got a lot of wiggle room on this one, has he, by the looks of things? Um, No, no, he hasn't. And um, a lot of the Spanish teams are in similar kind of problems like the um, Premier League teams are. And and all the way through the the English League and the Scottish League and probably all all the different leagues throughout the world. Um, but yes, they do. They, I don't know if they had these rules prior to COVID, but they've always had rules about the amount of players that have to be available to for the match to go ahead. Um, and it is quite a complicated situation that, that you've got to have at least 13 outfield players and a goalkeeper to be able to play the match. Um, if you if you can't fill the team of 13 outfield players which is obviously 11 outfield players and 2 substitutes I don't know 10 outfield players and 3 substitutes plus the goalkeeper then the match um, can't go ahead and as far as the Spanish rules go as far as I'm aware as you said they uh, forfeit the match I think it's a, a, 3-1 def- a 3-0 default um, it's a similar kind of thing to what they do in the Premier League, but under 21 players are now being included as being able to play in the full squad. 
as long as they um, fill certain requirements, as long as they've played at least once before, then under-21 players can be part of that squad. And it's very difficult, yeah. It's, it's, uh, in the particular case of uh, Xavi Hernandez, he's got very few players that he can actually choose from. Yeah, do, um, but yeah, didn't you tell me, Rob, that uh, even though they are in dire straits when it comes to money, uh, they've just signed uh, one of the Man- Manchester City players. So where did that money seem- seemingly come from? I've got no idea, Vince. I was trying to investigate this yesterday. Um, apparently, Barcelona, as we mentioned previously, are in dire financial straits. They, they've got billions and billions and billions of euros in debt. But um, somehow they managed to buy the uh, Man City player, Ferran Torres, who is actually originally from the Valencian community. He started um, at the Valencia Academy, um, then he went to Man City. And now Barcelona have bought him, uh, I think for 55 million euros. But his buyout, his buyout clause is absolutely immense. Now, where Barcelona, who are supposedly bankrupt, um, managed to be able to buy a player for 55 million euros, I was trying to investigate it yesterday. If anybody out there can find out the actual sort of reasonings behind it, the economic reasonings or anything, um, I would like to know as well because it just seems to me to be completely ridiculous. Okay. Well, let's move on uh, to La Liga and uh, I'll leave that to Rob. Okay, so over to you and uh, what's going on with La Liga? Are people being left uh, alone in the grounds? Are they got to wear the masks? Have they got to take tests as they come in? Um, and what's the state of the, the league at the moment? Right, well, as far as um, mask wearing and things like that goes, Vince, um, there's been, I think you mentioned earlier on, there's um, a national government um, announcement that they're reducing it to 75% um, capacity. But each of the different autonomous communities in Spain can make their own decisions. They can't go above the 75, that is set by their central government. But um, they can go below that. And originally, when fans were first allowed back in, I think the Valencia community, it was 40%. And in Catalonia, it was 30%. In the Basque country, I think it was 15% or something like that. But the mask wearing, they um, everybody is supposed to wear a mask uh, before they enter the stadium, while they're in the stadium. They aren't allowed to eat or drink anymore. When um, You probably know that, well, you do know because you've been to see Spanish football matches, but at half time, um, rather than having um, a cup of bottle and a pie, Spanish people generally take their own sandwiches along and uh, little Tupperware things with various tapas in and things like that, and they sort of share it around amongst each other. Now, they're not allowed to do that anymore. You're not allowed to eat or drink inside the grounds. Um, you're supposed to wear a mask all uh, at all times. You've got to have a COVID passport, um, which we've been using in Spain for the last few weeks already. And if you don't have a COVID passport, I think you've got to, um, what they call a lateral flow test, that you have to have it done immediately before you go in. And it, it, they are trying to control it as best they can. 
but we haven't had any football over the Christmas period. What do you um, think? So what What do you think is the difference? I mean, I'm, I'm I'm just trying to. I can't work this one out. What's the difference between somebody outside on a terrace in a restaurant eating and somebody outside on a football terrace at half time opening a little box of sandwiches and eating? Is there really? Well, the, the, is there any they're difference? They're wrapped up in um, aluminium foil, don't they? Like. Um, like a, a baguette kind of style, uh, Spanish bread wrapped up in a aluminium foil, and it, it was at halftime. It used to be a really um, great social part, if you like, of the event because you'd start talking to people who were sitting around you, and like I say, especially if it was an international match and you get people from all over Spain, then they would share. They would offer the people sitting near to them what they brought, and the people sitting near. Well, do you know what? Do you know what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I I get these thoughts. Uh, They're very, very devious at times. I wouldn't be at all surprised if maybe because the football clubs haven't been making the money, they now want to force everybody to buy from a stand in the ground or something. Well, apparently they're not allowed to eat or drink. Um, Yeah, but that's that's the that's the next phase, isn't it? I mean, you bring in the change. And give it a couple of weeks and then say, yes, you know, you can buy at the ground uh, because we know it's more chance of being um, hygienically looked at as opposed to you bringing in your sandwiches, which have been maybe um, uh, made at home, probably, etc., etc. I I just wouldn't be surprised if that's the next thing that comes in. At the moment, Vince, nothing would surprise me. And um, as you just mentioned, even though these clubs have big stadiums and they've got massive wage bills and things like that they are not making much money through the gates are they at the moment so um, that wouldn't surprise me um, if in a, yeah, in a couple of weeks time if they start saying you can't bring any of your own food and drinking but you can buy it from our our sort of kiosk exactly. because every club has a, um, has a kiosk anyway um, like they do in the UK but generally, people in Spain used to take their own um, halftime snacking, and it, it, it was part of the event. It was um, like halftime. It was halftime for the fans as well. Um, but uh, well, we'll just have to wait and see. But they're, they're starting again um, tomorrow. We've got Valencia against Espanyol tomorrow. Then we've got uh, on Sunday, the second of January, Catafi Real Madrid. Atletico Madrid via Americana. Elche are playing against Granada as well. Um, Barcelona are playing against Mallorca away. Now, Spain normally have a break from about the week before um, Christmas, which they played, I think it was about the, the weekend of the 19th. It was about the weekend of my birthday. The last time they played. But normally they don't come back until after the Three Kings. Um, so the, the players get a chance to have a break, they get a chance to um, see their families, uh, especially the players that come from abroad. There's a lot of South American players, players from all over the world, but a lot of South American players in Spain. It gave them a chance to actually go back and spend a couple of weeks with their families back home. But because of the pressure of matches they're under, they're, they're actually starting again tomorrow, which is the 31st. It's, the, it's New Year's Eve tomorrow with Valencia Espanol. New Year's Day off because it's a national holiday, but then on the second we go back straight back into um, a full program, and that is a week before they normally would. 
Um, and it's just basically because of the pressure of matches. They've had to cancel um, a lot of matches or, or well, postpone them and then find little spots where they can replay the matches that have been postponed. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, Spanish football is going through a very, very similar kind of um, situation to the Premier League. OK, at last we can talk football. Stand by. Okay, so uh, we can look at what matches have been played uh, during this week. Um, I mean, obviously, we've got the previous weekend, which we might go back to if we have time. But because these are probably a bit fresher in our mind, we'll go to uh, the Monday game when Newcastle played Manchester United. Now, we're hearing all sorts of things from Manchester United, um, troubles with uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, um, problems here, there and everywhere. Um, They didn't really look that good. I mean, Manchester United, I think they were lucky to get a draw if I if I really thought too much about that game um, you know Newcastle United they want to do things which of course they should do because they've done nothing up to now um, 1-1 I think they'd be more pleased with the home point than Manchester United with the away point what did you think? Oh definitely yes um, and as, as you mentioned Vince we had so many matches that over the last week that they've all basically just run into one haven't they Um this was actually match day 19. It was the final match of match day 19 of 38 on the 27th of December. Newcastle won, Man United won. Newcastle playing at home. It was their sort of version of the Boxing Day match. And you know what the Jolly fans are like. They were all out in full voice. Um, there were a lot of young kids, actually, when they were warming up. A lot of the youngsters um, in the crowd were not jeering Cristiano Ronaldo, but because it's Cristiano Ronaldo, they don't get to see him very often, do they, at Newcastle? And they, they were all sort of cheering him as he was uh, as he was warming up. But uh, Anderson Massiman put Newcastle ahead um, after about seven minutes, I think, and it was a good goal, a good move, and it took Manchester United quite a long time to actually get the equaliser. So Newcastle, although it doesn't take them out of any kind of relegation position, um, they will be happy with the point of Man United, definitely. OK, so we go to the Tuesday games and uh, Crystal Palace hosted Norwich. Poor old Norwich. They are the whipping boys at the moment. Uh, I think it was 3-0 to Palace. And um, quite honestly, I don't think you could really expect a lot more than that, really. You know, it's uh, it's a shame, but... Because it's so predictable, unless you've got anything that you want to add to that one, I think I'll go to Southampton playing Spurs. No, 3-0 to Palace. Norwich, unfortunately, um, have got one foot in the Championship already, haven't they? Yeah. OK, so uh, Southampton, not the best at home normally. Uh, Spurs are rejuvenated, reinvigorated. Um, still only managed to score one like Southampton. 1-1, one, one. quite a good draw for Southampton. Spurs, I think, would be the um, less chuffed um, with that particular result. What did you think? I think it was um, a fair result, actually. Um Southampton 
did seem rejuvenated really in a way. Uh, they were playing at home again. It was still sort of over the Christmas period, so they, they will have had all the Saints supporters will have been there. But um, Southampton went ahead, um, James Ward-Prowse Ward in the 25th minute, and it was a Harry Kane penalty, which I... Penalties are, are, are OK, they, they're part of the game, but I prefer to see goals in open play, really. But um, Harry Kane got a penalty and made it 1-1, and that's how it stood. OK, then we go to Watford. Um always going to be a difficult game this because West Ham West Ham they are um, they've been playing well had their injuries had the problems coming back I thought they would do well uh, it was Watford 1 West Ham 4 yes now Watford went up um, they went in front as well actually Watford in the fourth minute um, and West Ham came back and beat them 4-1 for, for Um David Morris, he almost cracked a smile. He did crack a smile um, fairly recently when they had a, a big win. But he's very, very straight-faced, isn't he? At least he is um, his public face. And he was almost smiling. Now, if he's almost smiling, you know that he's had a good day. And West Ham, I think they're back up there in uh, European position again. OK, we'll go to Leicester, where, of course, the visitors were Liverpool. It was um, an ex-manager dying to beat his former club. Um, Liverpool were playing a side that had only just played. They were probably a bit more tired as Liverpool had had a rest. We'd had all sorts going on. But Mohamed Salah, uh, on the form that he showed on the, this particular game, uh, I don't know whether he's worth the money he's being paid at the moment. Uh, but maybe I'm being a bit uh, unfair there because he has had a brilliant season. But to miss a penalty and the rebound, Kasper mm. Schmeichel, what a game he had. Leicester won, Liverpool nil. Yes, now that was um, one of the things I was going to ask you, actually. I mean, it, it, it was a brilliant save by Kasper Smeichel, wasn't it? Yes. And he did have a brilliant match. Yeah. Um, but Mo Salah hit the penalty directly at him. But then when it came to the rebound, he, sh it was, he would have been a header um, because he bounced high. But he completely missed hit the header, didn't he? Oh. And it went over the bar. Yeah, and Marnie no, I was. was extreme, I was extremely surprised about that. Well, I wasn't really because you know we have said on other occasions that he could double the amount of goals he gets every year. He gets the yeah, chances. He, he was if he played better. Yeah. Yeah, Marnie at the moment is squandering things left, right, and centre. Um, oh, there were, there were Liverpool missed. Liverpool weren't on target, were they? Let's no. face it. They they probably had a better match. But at the end of the day, it's getting the ball in the back of the net and Leicester managed to do that. And Liverpool, some of their shooting, it was going into the crowd. It was going, it landing on the moon, more or less. But it's like I often make the criticism and my own friends and my own fellow Liverpool supporters, they look at me as if I'm a heretic. And I always t tend to say, Klopp doesn't have a plan B. I mean, why doesn't he... He had Canate on the bench. OK, he's a back four player. They would know very little about his attacking ability. If he was uh, good enough, I mean, I don't know, so you'd have to sort of know from the manager, give him a go. 
do something different. Why did Salah not go on the left wing? He's been he played on the right wing all the way through the game. You know, uh, I just feel, feel that once Klopp gets in a groove, he doesn't come out of it. Doesn't never tries anything particularly. What I would say was different. And I remember when Canati was introduced against Manchester United early on in the season. Uh, that was a revelation because you know there's this player that's never played before in the back four coming on. But I just get the feeling that there's no plan B. Am I being unfair or what? Well, I think you're being totally fair, Vince. I mean, the uh, sort of results speak for themselves, don't they? Um, he d- I think Klopp has a season plan um, and individual game plans also, but he does tend to stick to them quite rigidly, doesn't he? I don't think he's all that flexible during matches, which is possibly a fault because it's sometimes, like again, at Leicester, as, as you say, if he made a couple of substitutions and possibly moved the uh, team around a bit, moved Salah over to the left or let Salah play a bit more freely, then the result might have been different. But um, I'll say that that is down to Klopp and his own decision making, isn't it? And well, he's been too too involved in medical affairs and and uh, social welfare affairs. Get back to playing the football. Um, I'm being unfair because he, they have played very well, but we've now got a real problem. On Manchester City, played Brentford. They only scored one, but that gives them now a huge gap over Liverpool, nine points in second place. Chelsea who now are eight points behind and a point ahead of Liverpool. A big game coming up. We'll discuss that in a minute. But last night, I watched Chelsea playing Brighton. Uh, Chelsea's boss is busy telling everybody that he's got no players. Well, with the money in the squad he's got, if he's got no players, then nobody's got any players. I thought Brighton played great last night. They really were playing some lovely football, well worthy of that draw. And um, we're up in the air again it does look though Manchester City are on a stroll in the park um, they didn't score freely last night but they got the three points got the job done I think it's going to be a very very interesting conclusion and I don't see it just being three clubs I can see changes coming very rapidly when Liverpool's players go off to the African Cup of Nations and one or two other clubs have got players going that could become very, very interesting. We could see some new blood. Why don't they play these new um, players? Give them a chance. Uh, anyway, um, I'm going to rush on because we've got our predictions ahead and uh, we've got uh, only 10 minutes left. Rob, when you've got an interesting agenda and we've got so many interesting things to talk about, um, sometimes it's easy to overlook matters on the field. Now, we don't know whether all these games will go ahead. We've got our fingers crossed. Arsenal, Saturday, January the 1st. Who do they play? Man City. Two mm-hmm. teams playing delightful football. This will be an open, gale, uh, an open game. How do you think the score will be? Right now, this is, yeah, as you say, New Year's Day. So um, it's the first match of the 2022. Arsenal playing at home. I think Arsenal are doing playing well at the moment, generally. They have moved up. They were bottom at the beginning of the season, if you remember. After the first three matches, they were bottom with no points. 
which everybody was very surprised about and thought that Arteta was going to get the sack. Fortunately, he kept him on and his project seems to be working. I think that Arsenal could do Man City on this. They're playing at home. They've got a good squad now. Aubameyang's out of the way. They seem to have um, sort of regrouped again, if you like. They're all playing for each other. City are sublime, but I think Arsenal could possibly do this 2-1. OK, I've got... Arsenal 2, Manchester City 3. And you're thinking mm-hmm. Arsenal 2-1. OK, yeah. let's go to our second game, which is Leicester against Norwich. 3-0 Leicester. 3-0 Leicester, OK. I've only yeah. given... I've only uh, given... Uh, unfortunately, I did have a go on Norwich, I think, um, in the last predictions... Just keeping my fingers crossed for them that they they they've been beaten badly that they've lost at least the last five matches. Um, so I can see Leicester doing three 0 wins here. To be honest. Okay, well, I don't really think there's much difference. I just think it's Leicester four uh, on Norwich nil. But uh, let's <laughs> keep our fingers crossed because obviously we don't want to see these teams languishing. Watford. They've got problems. Their visitors are Spurs. So how do you think that one will end up? I can see this being a draw, Vince. I, I'll go it down as a two-all. Two-all. I've got two-three. So we're not too far apart on that one. Um, mm-hmm. OK, as we go to Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace entertain West Ham. So, of course, like the Watford Spurs game, that is another London derby. So, a uh, difficult game. What do you think on that one? I On this one, this is... Uh, it should be an interesting one. This should be a good match. Um, but West Ham... They're definitely rejuvenated again and they're definitely trying for a European place, aren't they? Um, Palace are not in any trouble at all, but um, I think West Ham will will go all out to get this. I think West Ham will do this um, 1-2 to West Ham. OK. Uh, I've got 1-3, so we're on the same page with that one as well. Mm-hmm. OK, now, Brentford play Aston Villa. Uh, we've had Steven Gerrard, of course. He's uh, isolated. Uh, so, um, difficult game, actually. It's a difficult game to predict because uh, Aston Villa look good. Brentford, I mean, to contain Man City to one goal, that's not a bad result. Um, yeah, what do you think on that one? Well, yes, Stephen Gerrard's got to isolate, hasn't he, because of this uh, COVID business. Brentford, I think that they're in 14th position at the moment, but they started off really well and they're managing to hold their own. Um, and I think they're playing with pride. They they do play as a team. Um, they're, they're all covering each other's backs and things like that. I think Brentford could do this. I think Brentford could do this 2-0. Okay. I've put down Brentford 1 and uh, Aston Villa 2. Everton, Rafa Benitez, uh, very, very fortunate to have his match called off just when he's got these problems before uh, coming to this game. So, uh, Everton are at home to Brighton. Now, Brighton, they look very neat. They do play some lovely football. I can see Brighton winning this one. Can you? I can see Brighton win this one as well, Vince. Um, actually, they're playing at home, and as you say, they've got a very, very no, 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 no. It's, it's at Everton. Is it? Oh, sorry, I got it down as Brighton Everton. 
It's Everton Brighton, is it? Yeah. So that must be my, my, me writing it down. Uh, I'm, going to I'm going to assume that I've got this right because you could be right, don't forget. So whichever way, we've got the game. Well, the home advantage um, with the crowds back and everything, it does make a difference, doesn't it? But um, let's have a look. So you see, I'll just check and see which way around it is. Yeah, you're right, Vince. Sorry, my mistake. It's Everton, Brian. Okay. Um, well, in that in that case, my prediction is gonna is gonna change because I got Brighton down to win it. I thought they were at home. Um, I'll put this down then as a two-one to Everton. Although Brighton are a very solid team, um, Everton playing at home, they're not playing too badly at the moment either. So I'll put it down as a two-one to Everton. Okay, I'm going to stick with mine. I think Brighton will win it at two-one. Now your team leads. Come on, you need these points. Leads needs. The visitors are coming down from uh, open shirt in cold weather territory, Burnley. How do you think that one will go? Well, the Leeds lads aren't that scared of a bit of cold weather either, are they? Let's face it, Vince. Um, Leeds do need the points. They are not. They're not in the relegation battle at the moment, but they're not very far away from it. And also with the uh, disparity of matches played due to matches being cancelled and things, Leeds really need to win this. I'm going to put this down as a three-one to Leeds. OK, well, you might be pleased to know I see Leeds winning this 2-1. Um, as we go to Southampton, the visitors are Newcastle. Southampton normally not the greatest team at home. On the road, much better. Newcastle don't look a bad team. Uh, right, what do you think for that one? I think before Newcastle had a chance to make any new signings, I think uh, Southampton will win this. I think Southampton will win this 2-1. But, um, you know, the transfer window opens um, tomorrow, I think it is, um, or on New Year's Day. And Newcastle, um, they've got their own Kieran Trippier, who uh, at the moment plays for Atletico Madrid. And he wants to move back to the UK. He's not... He, He's played three seasons, I think, in Atletico Madrid now, and he plays a lot, but it's to do with his family. He's actually from Bury originally, so he wants to move back to the UK, he wants to move to a northern team, and they're in discussions with him. Now, whether or not he would want to go, he's a, he's a right-back, so he's a defender. He's a really good defender and he plays for England. But whether or not he would be prepared to try and get into a relegation scrap with Newcastle, um, we'll just have to wait and see. But Newcastle have got their eye on quite a few um, players for the transfer window. But the way things stand out, I can see it being 2-1 to Southampton. OK, so let's all keep our fingers crossed for a happier trippier. As yeah, we go... What, what did you get for that, uh, Vince? 2-0 to Southampton. 2-0 to Southampton, yeah. Yeah, Chelsea take on Liverpool. Now Chelsea are second. Liverpool third. Mm, OK, they have got a game in hand, but it's a big game. And, you know, oh, come on, what do you think? This is a big one for both of them, isn't it? Um, if it's a draw, it will only benefit Man City. Yeah. Because, yeah, um, because both both of these teams, uh, Chelsea in second, as you say, Liverpool in third, they're both chasing um, City and City are opening up a big lead at the top. 
I can actually see it being a draw, to be honest, Vince. I can see it being a two-all draw, which um, won't benefit either team, but it should be a good match. Yep, I've got exactly the same. 1-1 for me. And uh, the last one on this particular set of uh, games... Manchester United are playing Wolves. Your prediction on this one, please. I would like to see Wolves do this, actually. Um, I, I, I like the Wolves team, the way it's set up at the moment. I've always liked them. I don't know why, but since I was a kid, I suppose... Um, it's, it's a team that I've always sort of um, have fun memories about, if you like. And, and I would like to see Wolves do this. I would like to see Wolves do this one too. Okay, and I've got it down as Manchester United 2, Wolves 2. I think it will be a tight game. But, um, you know, Rangnick uh, has not really made a fantastic impact so far. So it will be interesting to see if eventually um, he gets this one right. uh, Because I still think... We're talking about egos, really. Um, We're coming up right to the end of our podcast, which means it's time for me to uh, go the time-honoured tradition and wish Rob and all our listeners a very, very happy new year. Let's hope that this blooming COVID stuff stops. Let's hope that people get back to some sense of normality. Good luck to everybody. I'll send me prayers and wish you all the very, very best. Rob, over to you. Right, well, I'll reiterate what you just said, Vince. Um, obviously, best wishes to you and all your family and, and to all the listeners as well, wherever you are in the world. We've had another difficult year this year. It's probably not going to start very easily next year, but uh, with a bit of luck, things will get better. Let's hope and pray so. Thank you, Rob, and uh, we'll do it again next week. My pleasure as always, Vince. As well.